to be with you. I have been so blessed with uh, friendship with Travis and your other staff um, and wish we could be together, but this is rich and special as well. Um, I have been in Seattle just uh, a couple of years. My wife, Lisa, is a school nurse and we have uh, five teenagers in our house. Uh, I'll put a, a picture up of them. So you guys can obviously pray for me since I have five teenagers, but we uh, we love life together. I think maybe this was why um, Travis asked me to come and preach on peace, because as a, a parent of five teenagers, I must have some uh, level of expertise on that or something. Uh, I'm not quite sure. But we are in the midst of this Advent series called uh, The Heavens Declare. It's based on Psalm 19. And it's really about this truth that the creation itself cries out with the good news that God has come, that God has come near to us in this tiny Christ child. And it's a mystery for sure, but it's it's grounded in reality. It's grounded in history itself. Um, if you've been watching the news lately, you've probably seen that there's going to be uh, the heavens declaring over the next several uh, days, the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a light show coming. It was actually in the Seattle Times even yesterday, the article, that Jupiter and Saturn are going to kind of come near and create a type of Christmas star event, uh, even for us in these coming days. So check it out. Lift up your eyes. And it, it got me thinking a lot about what it means for us to lift our eyes, even in the season, especially in this season, with so much discouragement of that has us looking down, of feeling down, but Psalm 3 reminds us that God is the glory and the lifter of our heads. We'll be talking about the mystery of peace today, and if there was ever a time that we need it, I, I believe it's now, and I'm excited to share more with you. Uh, would you join me in a moment of prayer, please? Father, if we're honest, uh, our eyes are drooping. Our spirits, uh, they are down. It's a hard, hard season. Um, but in the midst of it, we, we believe and we want to lean into the fact that you have come in the midst of this darkness with your light, with your hope, with your joy, and even um, for each of us in the place we most need this day with your peace. Help us evaluate our own personal responses when uh, we're in the midst of troubled times, troubling times, and help us press into you, lean into you, trust you, Jesus. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together, Lord, be pleasing in your sight. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Well, again, I'm glad to be with you. And if you're like me, you've probably been listening to a lot of Christmas music lately. But I had to press pause on myself just recently when I was listening to Silent Night. Uh, one of my favorite versions is by Pentatonix. It's this live version in the cathedral. But I had to press pause because... You know, it sounded so great, this theme of sleep in heavenly peace. And I'm sure you're familiar with the Hallmark version of, of those Christmas cards of everything seems so serene and comfortable and peaceful. But is that really grounded in reality? I, I'm not so sure. Anyone who's had a baby or been around a baby for any length of time knows that babies are the world's greatest disruptors. From the crying to the diaper rash, to the feeding, to the colic, to the neediness of babies. Um, and, and poor Mary and Joseph, right? They're displaced in a stable far from home. Even in the middle of the Roman peace, the Pax Romana, I, I don't think it felt very peaceful, I am certain. We need to be gr grounded in the reality, which I believe the gospel is, 
that peace can come in the midst of trouble and struggles. So I've been reflecting a little bit about peace. And if, if I were to ask you, if, if you needed a heavy dose of peace in your life right now, would you sign up? Would you wonder if it came in a pill form or if it was a shot? I, I'm certain most of us probably would. Where is your peace quotient right now? With COVID, with racial injustice, virtual school, virtual work, stress about finances, just totally pressed by our divisive culture right now, depressed about concerns about mental health. Maybe you're a Longhorns fan, right? Where's your peace? I believe that God has a word for us today uh, regarding peace. It's the right time for us to believe that this mystery of peace can be known and can be embraced. In the story of scripture, peace, it means much more than just the absence of conflict. It's uh, this word shalom. You probably have heard about it. It's a flourishing thing. It's a reconciling thing that trusting about that wholeness and completeness can be found even in the midst, especially in the midst of storms and troubles. Uh, it reminds me of this famous quote by J uh, Julian of Norwich. It says, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. It's a knowing that it is well with my soul deeper than just the feelings of the instant. I was thinking about this recently. I was down in Oregon and I stopped by Salem, Oregon, which actually is, uh, it gets its name from Shalom, Salem. It means city of peace. I was having this peaceful, joyful moment because I went to an In-N-Out burger, of course, and got my animal style hamburger. Personally, deeply uh, flourishing moment for me. Um, it was great to taste it. But well, let me tell you, the truth was, I was down there, but I was actually at a monastery for a couple of days of retreat. And I did have this sense of this taste of God's great peace as an experience of rest and encouragement for my soul. And it made me think, you know, I know from my past history that I need to be intentional about these moments where I can go and be met by God in a place of peace. Now, maybe COVID doesn't set that up for you, but I hope you can be thinking about that. Your experiences of peace, where have they been found? Maybe you need to get out in nature and walk. Maybe you need to get on a phone call and have conversations and prayer with a really good friend. Maybe you just need to snuggle with your kids around a fire. Seek those places of peace. You know, I got a, a taste of that uh, Psalm 46 kind of thing, you know, to be still and know that I am God. I love the message version. Eugene Peterson writes, step out of the traffic, take a long, loving look at me, your high God above politics, above everything, a taste of the mystery of peace. I hope and pray today you and I may experience that to do today because our passage, it gives us a challenging contrast of where peace can be found based really on this question, how do you respond in troubling times? You know, just as a quick review of that Matthew chapter 2, Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And then these, these travelers from Eastern lands came to Jerusalem asking the question, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw that star and we're searching. We've come to worship him. And then King Herod was deeply disturbed, as was everyone in Jerusalem. And they sought out, researched, what do the scriptures say about where the Messiah is to be born? The message version puts it this way. When word of the inquiry of those from the East came and got to Herod, he was terrified. And not Herod alone, but all of Jerusalem as well. He lost no time. They gathered and they sought out where was the Messiah to be born. 
This story is grounded in reality, friends. At a certain place in Judea, at a certain time at the, the, during the reign of King Herod, Jesus was born. In the, dem, in the demonstration of this text, it points to this powerful truth. The coming of Jesus demands a response. The coming of Jesus demands a response. And characters in this story, they have very different responses with the coming Prince of Peace. And we're going to look at that together today. It was interesting. Even before he was born, Jesus was a disruptor. What is our response when we get stirred up by the troubles in life? But the remaining of our time, we're going to reflect on the specific responses of mostly Herod, and then briefly the Magi, and then conclude by seeing Jesus's response in the midst of troubling times as an encouragement for our hearts. Now, these responses, they have much to teach us in and hopefully understanding, getting a taste, embracing the mystery of peace. Now, in this text, I'm so taken by this one word in Greek, the deeply troubled word. It's tarasso. It means to stir up, to agitate, to shake to and fro. And it's found in, in the New Testament about 20 different times. And this word is found here about Herod, deeply disturbed about this news of the coming Magi and this coming new king of of, of, of the Jews. And then all of Jerusalem is stirred up with him. Now, it's interesting that in another uh, Advent story, Zacharias experienced this kind of stirring up in Luke 1. And this word comes up time and time again in the gospel stories. The disciples were terrified and shaken when they saw Jesus walking on the water. When actually, in, as he was resurrected, he came into their room. Uh, they, were, they were terrified and shaken then. And it's actually ironic that Jesus greets their shocked faces with the words, peace be with you. He would, Jesus himself was disturbed uh, as he grieved Lazarus, as uh, he was in anguish the night before he went to the cross. And that very night, his disciples experienced this kind of disturbance as well. Tarasso. This reflection on the word, it, it led me to this, this great quote. Jesus comforts the disturbed, and disturbs the comfortable. Jesus comforts the disturbed and disturbed, disturbs the comfortable. Keep this quote in mind as we reflect on these different responses and your own response. If you are disturbed right now, comfort and peace Jesus wants to bring to you. And at the same time, I've known there have been seasons in my life where I've probably been too comfortable in my faith and Jesus has stirred up in me uh, a, a new passion maybe for, for justice or or reaching out to those who are hurting around me. So first, we're going to look at this response of King Herod when he was in a troubled place. His main motivation, friends, was really all about fear, and ultimately, his response became one of destruction. Uh, if you don't know about Herod, who was Herod, and why was he called great? He's kind of a complicated guy. One book sums him up like this. He was racially an Arab, religiously a Jew, culturally a Greek, politically a Roman, but he was mostly about his personal comfort of holding on to his place of power. He'd been king of Judea for about 35 years and most likely died uh, shortly after the time of Jesus' birth. Uh, he was a builder. He was blinded by power. He was a brute. Let me tell you a little more. He was an amazing builder. He, he took on colossal building projects throughout the area. The second temple in Jerusalem, which comes up in many places in the Gospels, he built that. The tomb of the patriarchs, he constructed massive ports. The fortresses at Masada and Herodium, 
he was known and admired as a builder. But he was also blinded by his power. And anything that was seen as a threat had to be taken care of. He was obsessed with trying to keep this balance between keeping the Romans happy and the Jews happy. And there's so much manipulation of political intrigue with the likes of Mark Anthony and Emperor Augustus. He was so taken by the power of the Greek culture, that way of life that Eugene Peterson actually calls Herod the Billy Graham of the Greek gospel. But this power, his obsession with power certainly blinded him and made him fearful. His fear took him to this last thing. He was a brute. He actually executed several members of his own family, overwhelmed by paranoia and anxiety often in his life. Later in this chapter of, of Matthew, you probably know the story of him ordering the slaughter of the innocents. Any child, any, any boy under two years old in Bethlehem, when the, when the Magi did not come back to report to him. And now while outside history can't confirm uh, the accuracy of the story, it would not be out of character with this brutal, brutal king. Caesar quoted regarding Herod's murderous ways, I would rather be Herod's pig than his son. He was a brutal guy. And his family tree comes up often in, in scripture. And uh, it actually, in this corrupt, rotten tree, it's shown up uh, at the beheading of John the Baptist, at the very trial of Jesus. And Paul even tries to persuade a grandson of Herod to become a Christian in Acts 26. Herod's response to the news in troubling times, it was all based in fear. And his inability to step into the mystery of peace, it ultimately led it all, his whole kingdom, to come crashing down. Even his buildings, the great temple, the fortress of Masada, it, within a generation, they would be reduced to dust. And that's what it feels like when we're driven by fear, dust. So I wonder about the significance of all of Jerusalem being uh, disturbed with him, deeply, deeply troubled. You know, I think we've all had that experience when a person in, in power, no matter the system, whether it's a parent in the home or a boss in the office or a leader of a nation, when that person is disturbed, it can become contagious for everyone. And that was so true for Herod. What's he do with his disturbance? Well, he does a little R&D. He does actually some research, but then some destruction. It's, in, it's so stunning to me that he went to the scriptures with his consultants. He went to the right place for the right answers of where the, where the Messiah would come. But he went with the wrong heart because he was based on his fear and his anxiety, his paranoia. His researching ultimately led to a purging. And, and that kind of destruction is what happens when we're led by fear. So I've been asking myself, and maybe you might think about this too, what role does fear have in your life right now? How much power have I given over to the fearfulness of this season, which obviously is so disturbing? Friends, in these, these moments, fear is understandable. And I'm aware that you're probably, you just got tapes playing in your head about ways that we should be afraid. But I just think that there's an invitation from God for us to look up in faith, have hope, have joy, seek peace, and trust that God has got this. And that in the matter of all things, it is well. God has got this. And in contrast to what Herod's response looked like, our next characters did exactly that. They looked up. Consider the response of the Magi. Uh, I, I would say their main motivation was all about wonder. And their response was one of discovery. 
You know, the contrast couldn't be more telling between Herod and the Magi. They too had been stirred up. They'd looked up in the sky. They'd seen this star and it it set them out on a journey to actually seek the Messiah, to worship, to bring gifts to the king of the Jews. Now that phrase would have made Herod insane because he had dubbed himself the king of the Jews. Obviously, his fear of competition drove his madness. Now the R&D that the Magi did was research and discovery. And their researching actually led them to genuine heart searching. If you're open to wonder, wonder, open to mystery, you can be driven by faith like the Magi. And they were uncomfortable staying in Persia and missing out on this thing that God was doing that they'd seen in the sky. And I believe peace is the gift that they received on their journey. I think about how those guys would have told stories for years and years to come. So unexpected to find a king in the stable. And somehow these non-Jewish foreigners became the first to bend their knee to the very creed, Jesus is Lord. So how have you been searching out peace in this season? Can you find some kind of wonder in the unexpected? I've even been thinking about the blessings that have even come in COVID that I never would have expected and clinging to them, trusting that God is being good in them. As you turn to those in your life or family, close, lean into them, despite the fear and frustration. In your isolation, see this, this, this as an invitation in the midst of solitude to help you lean into Jesus more deeply. Discover at your core, it is well. God will be a provider, a healer, a comforter, a bringer, a giver of peace. Now, you might be wondering out loud, well, I ain't been feeling any peace at this time, and I definitely get it, friends. But I have a really good mentor who talks about something he calls unfelt peace. A stepping out in faith, even at times like this, to trust that God is bigger than it all. And the mystery of peace will guard our hearts and minds, even if that peace is unfelt at times. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul tells uh, the church in, in Philippians 4. He calls them to rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness Be evident to all, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, maybe unfelt peace even. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Magi discovered the Lord is near. God with us, Emmanuel, face to face with the baby King Jesus. And I believe they experienced the mystery of peace. May we find ways to surrender our fear, lean in with faith and discover this too. In conclusion, in closing, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that when I reflect on my own life, I am so easily swayed, disturbed, troubled in many, many ways by my emotions. And certainly God did give us our emotions. But what do we do in response to them? Listen to this quote by Henry Nouwen. He writes, keep unmasking the world about you for what it is. It's manipulative, controlling, power-hungry, in the long run, destructive. The world tells you many lies about who you are. And these feelings, as strong as they may be, are not always telling you the truth about yourself. But keep looking for people and places where your truth is spoken and where you are reminded of your deepest identity as the chosen. He talks about the beloved of God. Keep celebrating your chosenness constantly. And this means saying thank you to God for having chosen you 
And thank you to all who remind you of your chosenness. Friends, we are the beloved of God. We are the chosen ones of God. And the world can set us up to be destructive and distracted by our fear. But there is another way to experience peace. And that's why I think it's vital to just take a moment to reflect on how Jesus responded in troubling times. You know, here are a few places that Tarasso, that disturbances are found in the gospel stories. Jesus was troubled at the death of Lazarus. And his response to the grieving sisters was compassion in John 11. Jesus was troubled knowing his death was coming, but his response in John 12 was to prayer. And when Jesus knew his, his followers were troubled, he led them to deeper trust. John 14 actually has, as it's, these bookends, uh, Tarasso and peace. Starts by Jesus saying that this is the night right before he went to the cross. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And at the end of that chapter, he says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That link between peace and fear that Herod didn't figure out, we're invited to know deeper trust and not be afraid. Jesus was a different kind of leader, a different kind of king than Herod, because he made contagious, not the fearful stirring up, not this disturbance in the force that just kept spinning. Jesus made contagious the mystery of peace for his believers, his followers, and even he invites us to know it as well. So be encouraged. The Lord is near. Jesus is near. We are not alone. We have a God who is with us and a God who is for us. Now, I wanted just to close with this short story. There was a season in life in one of my most fearful times where my dad had a health crisis. Um, and he actually spent six weeks on a ventilator in an ICU. Um, and God thankfully brought him out of that experience. We had four bonus years with him. Um, I think about how fearful that, that time was for me, but for my dad, when he came out of that health crisis, I would say it was his most peaceful time. The, the time that I'd experienced it, that he had this experience of, of greatest peace in spite of his sickness, in spite of having been in coma. And I was struck by the story he told me. I didn't even know he told it in front of a group of men at a, a men's retreat uh, several months after he'd been released from the hospital. And he'd been uh, in, in this induced coma and had all kinds of actually just horrible um hallucinations while he was there, but he told this story to the whole group. He said he had this vision that he was being guarded by an angel, that this angel was standing over him with a flaming sword. And the angel in one hand held a glowing head of Jesus Christ. And that when someone would come into the room, a nurse, a family member, that this angel would take this sword and he would slice off a piece of the head, this glowing head of Christ. And then that glow would float to the person and just rest on them in a peaceful way. And they would walk away. And then the head of Christ was fully reformed. And dad's telling the story to this group of guys. Our eyes are open. Our mouths are open. And then he kind of said, but I was on a bunch of drugs and stuff. So who knows? Actually, so no. But I got to tell you, uh, my dad clung to that story because he knew that God was guarding him. God was over him. And we had such comfort in the midst, a, a peaceful comfort to know that God had everything under control. Now, sometimes we don't get our prayers answered in ways we had hoped. And I understand that. Sometimes 
We don't get these miracle stories of visions of angels, and I get that as well. But in these moments, in, in troubled times, I think that we are invited to, to reach out and seek and be embraced by the mystery of peace. To know that our response can be trust. We can experience God showing up and get a taste of the mystery of peace, even in the hard times, may be true for each of us in these days to come. Amen. Let me close this in a word of prayer.